Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors Podcast. My name is Glenn Fairburn. I co-host this program with Nathan Lear. Uh, we're both directors and private client advisors at Hewson Private Wealth, um, which is one of Australia's leading independent financial planning and wealth management firms. Um, as we said from the very beginning with this podcast, our, our primary goal is to improve financial literacy and financial awareness. Um, and that leads us to this week's episode, um, which is essentially the top four tips that we have or the, fo- the top four investment lessons or financial lessons um, that parents can perhaps pass on to their children or to nieces and nephews, whatever it may be. Um, so we have a, a pretty good discussion about the, the, four, tip- the four things that we think uh, are most important. Um, so we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to this week's episode. So today, Glenn and I want to have a chat around some investment principles for for kids or or children, Um, kind of focusing on perhaps kids under 18 years of age. And one of the, just before we get into the the detail, the the objective of this podcast I've spoken about many times is to improve financial literacy and awareness. And uh, probably the earlier that people get a, a grasp or an understanding of some solid financial principles the the better they'll be and Glenn and I have spoken about many times that um, unfortunately the way um, I guess the you know the schooling system uh, is currently structured there's not a lot of uh, I guess scope to learn about um, finance money when you're going through school so it does highlight the importance for um, perhaps parents to try and instill some good principles for their for their children as they're as they're growing up um, any before we kind of get into the detail, Glenn, any any comments from from you on that? Yeah, I mean, as we were saying before before the start of the episode, we were just discussing how there's basically no financial literacy at all in school. I know there's been a bit of discussion about introducing it, but if I sort of think about some of my clients that have you know done really well for themselves over a long period of time, I would say that most of them have done well because they've got those very simple principles right whether they've learned it from a young age from their parents or whatever it may be, but just like those simple investment principles or just simple budgeting principles that they've learned from a really young age. So I think it really is important. As you were saying, I mean, I can't remember getting any financial literacy or, or financial education going through school. I remember the old Dolomite accounts that the Commonwealth Bank used to have and they'd sort of come to the school and you deposit your few dollars and you have your checking account and things like that. So that was a way to, I suppose encourage savings but as far as talking about some of the things that we'll go through today i think that it's almost non-existent but it it could just it it can provide so much benefit for kids that they can then use throughout their adult life and even into retirement sure so we'll we'll get into a couple of uh concepts or i guess principles so the first one that we've got today is the whole idea around working or work so um I guess in order to, I mean, you spoke before about dolomites and, and having having a bank account to store money. I suppose before you can store your money somewhere, you need to earn your money, don't you? So um, the whole idea around um, work is you know, uh, undertaking some kind of, whether it's um, you know proper paid employment or um, some ob- if you're a child, some odd jobs around the home um, where your parents might pay you a little, little bit of pocket money perhaps. But I suppose... Um, that's probably the first thing that we want to talk about. Just the, yeah, the idea around, you know, maybe creating value, doing some work, whether it's um, when you reach the uh, age where you can actually go out and undertake paid employment or whether you're just doing 
um, some odd jobs around the home. Um, I'd say you know, we spoke before we got on the podcast, Glenn, off air, we spoke about just the importance of kids understanding the value of money. And yeah, I reckon that's probably the big thing now where growing up for us, it was probably more cash. So you, as, a, as a kid, you could probably see the cash and it gives it some, makes it tangible in some ways. Whereas now I know with my kids, you ask them where, the, where does money come from? Oh, it just comes from the hole in the wall or just put it on the credit card. Like to try and understand the concept of, the, as you were saying, like the value of money that, you know, all things being equal, in order to get money, there has to be work involved. Yeah, yeah. You have to do something like whether it's helping someone creating value to, to, to earn that money, don't you? And do you, do you think, I mean, your kids are probably at that age now where they're starting to understand maybe what money is. Do, do you think, do you think A, they, you know, young kids get that or, or if they don't, what's a good way to maybe help them understand the value? I think a lot of kids don't understand it. And as I was saying, the reason with this digital age, which is great, you know, provides a lot of efficiencies, but it, for, for a kid, could you imagine like just looking at, you know, people just, sw- you know, swiping their a little piece of plastic and can make transactions I think an important lesson as a parent or even if you've got nieces and nephews, whatever it may be, is to teach kids that you don't get money without work ordinarily. I mean, obviously, there's gifts and inheritances and, you know, lotto or whatever it may be. But ordinarily, for most people, you don't get a reward, a financial reward without putting work in. Um, So I think, as you were saying, whether it's doing chores or, or just some sort of monetary reward for um, some sort of work, at least that gives the kids an understanding as, okay, this is where money's coming from. I need to do something in order to get something in return. Mm. And that thing in return I can then use to purchase or do, or do other things. So that's why I personally think that work as a... And, and this isn't like... We're not talking about hard labor here. We're talking mm. about little things that can just give kids a, a very simple understanding as to where money comes from. That it's not something that just appears and it's just freely available. It, it, it requires an input that you get something in return for. Mm. I think it's a good point you, you raised around the fact that money is digital effectively, you know, uh, cards these days where, you know, back 10, 20, 30 years ago, it was all, you know, paper or coins yeah. and um, predominantly, pretty much exclusively. So people, you know, ki- or kids would have learned from their parents when they go to the shop and buy groceries or whatever, they're actually changing over money for, That's for right. a good in return. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a psychological thing, well, isn't it? Well, now it's it? credit cards, vouchers. Yeah. I mean, you think gifts that your kids get now, they're, you know, maybe vouchers, iTunes vouchers, um, other sorts of shopping vouchers. They don't, all they see is this piece of plastic that enables them to transact and get something in return. Um, but yeah, I think that just trying to educate kids about where money comes from and how you get money, for me, is probably the number one thing to teach anyone. Yeah. And I suppose there's nothing wrong with using uh, hard currency because obviously we still use currency out there today. So, um, you know, if your kids do do some uh, odd jobs or whatever and, and have a bit of pocket money, whether it's a, um, a what do you call them, piggy bank or yeah, 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 uh, yeah. whatever it might be. And that's a good point, actually, something that I didn't think about. But, you know, like perhaps going old school and giving your kids cash gives them makes it tangible. Whereas if you just say, oh, I'm putting money in your account, they're going to be like, well, what do you mean? I don't understand that concept. So maybe just going step by step. And if we're talking about work and monetary reward, maybe it is giving them the hard currency. Mm. It doesn't have to be real currency, by the way. It can be anything. Like you can maybe just write on a piece of paper. I don't know. But I think that that's perhaps the value of that hard currency is that you can give them the physical thing that they can then put in their money box and they can see that it's slowly accumulating. Yeah, sure. 
And, and they probably, we'll, we'll talk about spending a little bit later, but I suppose they probably won't really understand the true value of, of that money until they, until they go to spend it, would they? Yeah, that's right. To know until what it's they worth. can see what it's worth, because yeah. they might see one dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars. What does mm. that mean? Like, what can I buy? Um, so you're right. I mean, we'll we'll chat about that a bit later. But it, it it does give them the understanding that in order to get something big, you need to accumulate a lot of this and do a lot of work. Um, so yeah, I think that's you know the value of that hard currency. Sure. So that that's the the first principle that we wanted to talk about. Uh, in terms of uh, you know work or earn perhaps earning earning money, um, the second thing that we want to chat about is the concept around the importance of saving. So, um, I guess once you've you've earned the money or have that earning capacity, um, the importance of of saving. Yeah, exactly. Because one thing to earn or to work, and then the next thing obviously to earn that money. Um, but if you're not saving it, then a lot of that can be pointless, can't? I mean, from an expenditure perspective. Um, so I think the value of saving, the value of, you know, one concept that we sort of say quite a bit is that delayed gratification. So what we mean by that is saying, well, okay, I've worked today. I've got $5 in pocket money. Yes, I can go to the store and buy something straight away. That's one thing. So getting that gratification right now. But how about teaching children the benefit? How about instead of spending that $5 on a chocolate bar today, how about if you continue to save that money and put it away and delay your gratification, what could you get in future? Like what bigger item could you purchase down the track? So I think that's just a way to show the power of just saving money in that, it, yeah, you're going to forego that gratification now, but it could be greater gratification down the track because you save that money. Also having, a, a I guess, a goal to work towards um, in that situation um, let's say i'm just thinking about every kid loves loves mobile phones or ipads or things like that yeah, so yeah. i mean they might be several hundreds of dollars depending if it's brand new or second hand and and um you know having having that that kind of savings goal i mean we often speak about for adults the holidays you know saving for a holiday and um having a having a savings goal to work towards could also be a pretty um good lesson for for children absolutely it's sort of like the short-term pain for the long-term gain isn't it like you might as i was saying i mean you if they want to buy an iPad or something that's a little bit more expensive, you might say to them, well, look, you know, if you can work and get pocket money and maybe get some money for, you know, birthdays, Christmas, if you continue to save that money, then you will be able to buy that mm. item, you know, at some point in the future. Mm. And, and then it becomes really rewarding for them. And I think once they're then able to buy that item, you can then reinforce that and say, well, look, you can see the, the benefit of, of you not buying little things along the way, but by not doing that, by not buying something perhaps for the last six months or a year, now you've been able to buy this big item that's you know going to be a lot better than all those little things that you could have bought otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, show show them the, the the value of of money and what you can actually do with it when you put your head down and save. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I suppose if you earn your money and you save your money, um, they're they're the first couple of points we work through. Um, the next thing we want to focus on is the whole idea around in investing. Um, so you've got perhaps you've got that that pool of money, um, and you know if you don't need to dispose or don't need to spend that money on anything in in the short term, um, you know we would always encourage anybody, no matter how old you are, um, to to invest that money. Yeah, and that, that's really I suppose showing kids the power of having your money work for you, um, and, and that's. 
you know, that power of compounding earnings where you invest $10 today, you might get a dollar of interest so that next year you've got $11 invested that you're then going to be able to generate a return on that. And, and I think, look, it may be, that may be a longer term lesson where it may take you know, a year, two, three, even five years. Um, but just to show um, a, a child that by investing that money productively, that you can earn an additional return on that without working in that that money can, can, can do the work for you. So you've got a, a greater amount down the track. Um, so, I mean, with investing comes return over a period of time. And with return comes that you know massive power of compounding interest where the interest just adds to your investment. So you've got a greater asset pool, which is therefore earning more interest down the track. And that could be really, really powerful over a long period of time. And I think that's one of the best lessons that anyone can learn is that by investing today and reinvesting those returns on an ongoing basis, just the power that that can have um, in growing your wealth over a, a period of time is, is significant. We all know that with our compound interest, time is your best friend. And look, that's probably the one thing with, with children could be the maybe the hard part for them to, to grasp because, you know, if you're a, a teenager, perhaps, you know, you don't, you're probably thinking more about the, the short term rather than the long term and investing you know, yeah. it does take years and years. But um, I mean, we always encourage clients of ours, if they have, have children and have a bit of money, they want to put aside to, to invest it. Um, and once again, get that get that compounding to, to work for them. And, and I think at a, at a young age, it may also be, you know, they may not have enough money to go out and buy some shares or whatever it may be, but you may even show them your own investments. It doesn't have to be highly complex. Obviously, you want to keep it pretty simple, but if you've had an investment for a period of time that's done quite well, you can say, well, look, I, I, I invested in this asset five years ago. I, I, I put $1,000 in it. Now it's worth... 1500 just very simple concepts for them to understand and grasp the idea of of investing that money and having it work a little bit harder for them Mm. um and and it may be something i know a lot of parents when they have kids you know they set up a little investment account for them whether it's a bank account or i know that we're very strong advocates of listed investment companies um, which are companies listed on the stock exchange um, that give you a broad exposure to the market because if you've got a small amount of money um, and you want to invest in something that can grow, it's very difficult to get adequate diversification to minimize risk. So the advantage of these listed investment companies is that you're diversifying that risk away by just buying the one asset. A lot of them are very low cost. Um, and I know I've done it for my kids and, and we do it for a lot of our clients' kids and grandkids, but it's just a good way for them to learn that by investing in whether it's shares or, or property or whatever it may be, that they can actually get a very solid return over a long period of time. Um, so it's just that continual reinforcement and continual lessons about the power of investing and the power of um, compound returns. You mentioned earlier the uh, the old Commonwealth dollar mite accounts, and I suppose even setting up a bank account is a good is a, you know, investing in cash is still a form of investing. So um, you know, moving it from having having physical cash in a in a piggy bank type thing to to putting it into a bank, yeah, you are earning some form of interest on that money that's probably even you know number one step yeah um, and then yeah maybe as the the sum of money builds up or the 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 child gets a little bit older they could consider you know other types of investing whether it's you know company shares or whatever it might be and it's a stepping stone isn't it i mean you're not going to go to a five-year-old and start buying um you know resource stocks or something mm. i think you're right i mean it starts with the bank account just letting them understand that concept and then as that builds you can look at 
perhaps something that's going to give them a better long-term return maybe than cash. Mm. And I think just thinking back to to my own personal um, experiences when you know when you're a teenager, I think property is a good way for for kids to understand uh, the the power of investing. And I mean, you know, most people understand property pretty well because we all probably live in one. Um, and you know, just the 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 value of you know putting your money into a property and seeing that property grow. I'm not saying a kid is necessarily going to go and buy a property, but it's something they could maybe learn from you know their parents experience or yeah. something they could strive to do when they when they they get a little bit older yeah and i think the advantage of property is that it's a large amount of money and a lot of young kids just don't grasp the concept of hundreds of thousands of dollars it's just it's just beyond their realms of of understanding um and and, and it's, they're, they're difficult lessons but i think you're right like just that's probably something that they can probably relate to a little bit better because they probably live in live in one mm. So, uh, yeah, just, just covered off then on, on investing. So the last kind of major point we wanted to, to talk about the, the whole idea around spending. Um, so I suppose, you know, spending can be uh, a very important piece of the puzzle here because if you, you know, if you earn money or have money, um, how much you spend will kind of directly relate to how much you can save or build up. So um, I guess in this, before I hand over to you, Glenn, in, in this day and age, um, we are in... I guess a, a world of people wanting things straight away, and um, you know people are less inclined to to save up for things. So um, and maybe spend quite freely. So um, I suppose you know in adult terms, budgeting is what we call it, where uh, you can tr- control your expenditure, um, and that can I guess result in you having you know more more savings to to do something with. Anything yeah, you want look, to start I, with? I think working with clients over you know fifteen or so years, yes, earning more money helps from a you know wealth accumulation perspective. But I'm, I'm not sure what you th- what you've sort of seen. But I would say that as important as earning is spending. Like it's not always how much you earn; it's how much you spend. Because I've had numerous situations where clients who have earned modest salaries, but because they live a modest lifestyle, they've been able to save a lot. Whereas other people who earn a lot have just as high expenditure and therefore haven't been able to save anything. So I think it is you know, a, a matter of um, taking control of your expenditure. And as you were saying, I mean, I think there's, there's no better evidence than, than the growing credit card debts, not just in Australia, but I suppose in, in most Western countries. And a lot of that's driven by the fact that people don't want to delay their expenditure. They want to have it now. So they bring forward that expenditure. And that's why you accumulate credit card debt because you're buying things that you can't afford. So I think the lesson for children is to only buy things that you can afford and that you've got the cash for. And look, there's always going to be those situations maybe that you use a credit card and so forth. But as a general rule, if you if you only buy things when you've got the money, I think that's a really very, very good lesson for people to to learn at a, at a really young age. Mm. Yeah, and just, just thinking about, you know, as you're talking, that, I was just thinking about trade-offs and um, when we use that example earlier about maybe saving up for a bigger ticket item if you're a child like a you know, phone or an iPad, um, if a child understands the importance of maybe delaying the smaller, maybe less important, I'll say, yeah. spending to, to save for that big item, they might um, yeah, that, that might help them achieve the end goal of yeah, what they, buying what they want to buy. So. I think impulse buying is really dangerous as well. I mean, you hear the sort of, school of thought where if you go to a store and you see something that maybe sometimes the best thing to do is just maybe walk away and and go home and think do i really do i really want that and a lot of the time people probably say no 
So I think get that lesson with kids. If if they've got their pocket money or Christmas has just come or their birthday money and they're earned at the store and they say, oh, I really want that, maybe the lesson is, look, how about, look, that's a really expensive item. How about just buying it now? Why don't you go home, think about it, and if you still feel the same way tomorrow, then maybe, back, maybe then we'll come back and buy it. So just trying to take that, because a lot of people fall in, I think everyone has fallen into that impulse buy, haven't they, where you, you go out, you see something, and you feel like you really need it, but then you have that buyer's remorse afterwards. Mm. Do, you, do you find that sometimes? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you can kind of get caught up in the moment, can't you? You're, you're at the yeah. shop, you see that shiny item that you want to buy and you kind of get carried away. And I mean, for adults with credit cards, it can be even... Well, it's easy, isn't it? It can it? be you worse. Just, you can just do it. I mean, if we're talking kind of about kids where maybe, let's say, credit's not, not available. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's say you need the cash, physical cash available. It's... Um, it's a bit different, I suppose. It's then it's all about trade-offs. Like if you buy that that item impulsively, uh, it might mean that you can't buy the next item for a yeah. certain period of time. And I think as a parent, you you would hope that you've got the the experience where you, if you, if your child wants to buy something, you might think you might think to yourself, "Well, gee, that's not. I don't think that's that's a, that's a waste of money or whatever it may be." Instead of saying no, maybe it's because that's just gonna. You know, sometimes kids you say no, they just want to do it because you've said no. Maybe that's what, as I was saying, maybe the better solution is to say, look, I'm not saying no, but how about we just think about it. If, if you still feel the same way tomorrow, we'll come back and buy it. But I think it's just all about that lesson, isn't it? Where to try and take the impulse out of it and just buy things that you've actually thought about um, a little bit before you just go out and pass your money across the counter and, and, and get that item. Sure. Uh, any other comments around you know children and money and principles we can oh, help look, instill? The one principle that I love, and, and I know you know we're, our whole company and, and you and I in particular really love uh, you know the, the old Warren Buffett quotes, but um, I, I think one thing that that he's that I've heard him say a number of times and and never leaves my mind when even when I talk to clients and think about my own kids, um, the quote goes along the lines of give your kids enough to do something but not nothing. So it's great. Everyone wants to help their kids, and everyone wants to, um, I suppose, have them experience a better childhood and a better life than what than what you do as a parent. Um, but you've got to, I suppose, think about the long term implications as to how you treat them and how you provide financial assistance to them. And we're talking about, you know, pretty much the richest man in the world who could have given his kids more than enough money to do anything in life and probably never have to work. But his theory was, no, look, I want to help them, but I'll give them enough so that they can create something with their own life and, and therefore create their own future. So that, that's something that I always have in the back of my mind, um, that particular quote. Yeah, you don't, you don't necessarily want to be in a position where your kids have an unlimited source of money and, and, and they don't maybe understand the value of money. So they're not going to maybe have that that drive or whatever you want to call it to to go out there and, and earn earn money and add value to the world. Yeah. That, that's kind of you don't value things that come easy, do you? That's just human Pro- nature. Probably not, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I've heard the saying a few times that, the, you know, the first generation creates the wealth, the second generation enjoys it and the third generation loses it. Yeah. So I think that, you know, you can never under, underestimate the value um, of money um and and i suppose taking that the value of money away how dangerous that can be um, over a longer period of time mm. it's often the the people that come from nothing you, you know there's, there's many people that pop in my head and i'm sure you're the same glenn but the some of the the um the the i guess wealthy people they're often the people that come from from nothing that's and right 
they, well, the ultra successful people who have been the most successful probably come from nothing. Yeah, they, they, you know, I mean, Tony Robbins just popped in my head because I was listening to something he was saying the other day where he had nothing when he was a kid growing up. So that's why, you know, he's so, he, you know, he was so focused on, on trying to create financial freedom so him, him and his family could have a life that, that he didn't have. And he spoke about, or he didn't have when he was a child, and he spoke about that having those experience, experiences when he was a kid growing up made him a much better person oh, there's no doubt. today because yeah, he understands the, the value and the hard times. Yeah, And most parents understand that. So we're not trying to be counsellors and telling people how to raise their kids. But yeah. I think it's just all about some of the things that we've seen working with you know hundreds of clients over 15 plus years, looking at people who have been successful. Why, why is that person successful? And... And these, I suppose, the, the key, the four or five points that we've spoken about, have really come from that experience, haven't they? And but also things that we've learnt um, over the years that we've found to be successful. But in our view, the, these four or five themes are the, are the ones that we've, we've seen, um, you know, provide a lot of benefit. I mean, I've I've got clients who whose parents have lived who lived through the depression, like their their parents or grandparents did, and because of that experience, because their parents were you know, quite frugal, that, that it carries through multiple mm. generations. Um, and I'm not saying you have to go to the absolute extreme, but it's surprising how, it's not surprising actually how the influence of parents on kids from a monetary perspective is substantial. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. The, I think a lot of parents probably don't quite appreciate the, uh, you know, the importance of their role in, in teaching their kids lessons around around money. And I think it all starts with the the parents, but I think, as I said at the, in the introduction, the um, you know schooling is also a very important <laughs> piece as well there, and it's probably something where kids maybe don't get the um, the education that that maybe they need. Yeah, so, I think that's definitely something yeah. that you know the education system could look at. So, so just to to wrap it up today, we we spoke about some investment lessons for for children. Um, we spoke about kind of four main points. Firstly, around you know working and and earning money and earning the uh, and understanding the importance of earning money. Um, moving on from that, saving once you earn the money um, and the whole concept around delayed gratification. Um, then thirdly, uh, investing the money once, you have, once you've earned the money and have it and, and the, the power of uh, compound interest over time. And lastly, the idea around spending and, and controlling how much, how much you spend. So thanks again for listening to another episode and we look forward to having you again next week. Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po- podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook. LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, Thanks again. We'll see you next week.